0: that maybe you weren't even aware of. But today, I want to teach you about sleeping. So if you'll join me in Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can... Read along on the screens behind me. You can also pray that the Lord will give me enough voice to get through this sermon. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to Him. He was by the sea. And behold one of the rulers of the synagogue came. A man who's like a pastor. Jairus was his name. And when Jairus saw him, speaking of Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. That's an old Bible word for gathered all around him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many positions. I have an amazing doctor who I consider a friend. But how many of you know that sometimes them doctors get to treating you? And you say, "I don't know if you're helping me or hurting me, Doc. I'm suffering." She had spent all that she had and was no better. She only grew worse. How many you know the wisdom of men can only get you so far? But she had heard about Jesus, and she came behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she had said to herself, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love this next word. Immediately, the fountain of her blood, or the source of the problem, dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, Don't you see this multitude thronging all around you? And you're asking who touched you? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking to her, Someone came from Jairus' house and they said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to Jairus, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted, Jesus, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter. James and John the brother of James then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw a tumult he saw a situation was transpiring and those who wept and wailed loudly but then he came in and Jesus said to them why make this commotion and weep the child is not dead she's only sleeping And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John. And he entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, Kumi which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And there's that word I love again. Immediately. The girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years old, she could walk. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her. To eat. Holy Spirit, teach us and impart to us the revelation that hides within this story. Holy Spirit, you wrote this book. We ask that you teach us what it means. Lord, I that you use me to teach and to preach help me to communicate clearly and accurately and Lord we promise you all the glory and the obedience Lord I pray this in Jesus name Amen thank you Sarah I'm going to move quickly so, hang with me. We have all known the feeling of desperation when something or someone we love is near the verge, near the edge of death. And I can mean literal death or figurative death. You know that sickness is a type of death. Addiction is a type of death. Brokenness is a type of death. And it can be difficult when we look at maybe ourselves and we feel that death in our life. Or we look at people we love and we see that death has tried to attach itself to, to their life. The scripture teaches us that our enemy comes to kill and to destroy. So if death is a God, sickness, disease, brokenness, iniquity, affliction, addiction are all what? Servants of one God named death. And so you may not be facing literal death but you may be experiencing a flavor of death. It's like ice cream. Different flavors, it's all the same thing. Does that feel okay? And I felt the Lord wanted me to tell some people this morning, it's okay to be desperate. It's okay to be desperate. Desperation doesn't mean that you don't have faith what you do with your desperation determines whether or not you have faith. And so I am imploring you all as a congregation that no matter what is in your life that you may be desperate for, choose wisely where you run. Choose wisely where you run. And here's what you need to ask yourself. Am I, with my desperation, am I running to someone or to something who has the ability to solve or to fix or to restore the thing that I am desperate over? One of the greatest mistakes we make as human beings is we want people around us To heal things, fix things, redeem things, and restore things that they don't have the power to heal it, fix it, restore it, redeem it. There's an ancient prayer that the Hebrews would pray that says this The Lord our God is one. There's only one God. You can look at the person on your left and the person on your right and remind them, and you ain't it. Now, if you're married, you just say it nicely. Don't be sassy about it. But here's why you shouldn't silence godly Desperation is because desperation moves the heart of God. Whichever testament you want to pick, old or new. Find a desperate person and you'll find God starts to move. There's two examples that jump, that leap to the forefront of my mind when I think about Old Testament biblical desperation. When I think about corporate desperation, whether it's a congregation or a nation, the people of Israel, when they're trapped in slavery... Pharaoh's killing their babies, and they start crying out. Pharaoh has enslaved us, and he's drowning our babies in the river. And God, we don't have the power or the ability to free ourselves. God, we need your help. God had let slavery go on for 400 years, but when they got desperate, then God moved, and he says to Moses, I have heard the prayers of my people. Can I just tell you what God did? God looked at Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, you want to drown babies in the river? I'm going to give you exactly what you want, except I'm going to drown you in a river. You better be careful when you start messing with God and messing with God's people. Because when God's people get desperate, the judge and the king comes down and he starts dealing with things how a king deals with things. That's why I like to relate to him as a father and a king, is because I want you to be king, but I want you to make sure you can still be like a father to me because a king don't play. A father gives you mercy and grace and forgiveness, but a king, when he comes down to set things right, you better hold on to your hair. Because he ain't playing and he don't wait. And then when I think about individual desperation, I think about Hannah. That she's a woman. And in the Old Testament, that didn't count for much. And all she wanted was a son. And no man could give her what she required. No man could satisfy the longing of her heart. And she went into the temple at a late hour and was praying and saying, God, please give me a son. She ignored protocol. I don't know if y'all heard what I just said. Let me try that over here. She ignored protocol. See, desperate people don't care about what's the way. If I let you get hungry enough, you will push down your auntie to try to get to a bag of rice. We are Americans, y'all, and in 2020, we was fighting over toilet paper. We got all the guns and all the money, but our bums became uncomfortable, and we got so desperate. We're fighting in Kmart over toilet paper. Don't tell me what people won't do when they get desperate. The priest looked at Hannah and said, she's drunk. There will be people. There need to be some people that we can't tell if they're stoned or if they're drunk. They are so desperate for God to do something in their life. Because desperation gets God's attention. Hang on quickly. We're moving fast. Today we're examining Jairus. He needed Jesus to heal his daughter. Now speaking as a dad who has a daughter, when you see your baby laying in a hospital bed, whether it's mild or whether it's serious, that gets your attention in a very unique way. I could not imagine being Jairus with the fear and the frustration that he must have felt as he watches his baby girl sweat her life away. And it doesn't matter what we feed her, what we give her, or what we do for her. It only gets worse. That's a special kind of desperation right there. And so imagine being Jairus, knowing that I have minutes or hours to try to get the king who has my answer to come to my house. Imagine that frustration when there's a crowd all around him and he's not able to move as quickly as what you like. I don't know if I'm Jay Iris, I would be punching people off of Jesus, clearing away like the Secret Service does for a president. I would steal a horse, put him on it, and I would be on the back of the horse with my spurs kicking, saying, You got to get to my house. Because I don't give a flying flip if you heal none of these people. I need you to heal my baby. I'm desperate. That's what I do. And that's what you do too. And so imagine being Iris, and you're in the tension of, I just don't need a good word today. I need an absolute undeniable miracle. And Jesus is taking his sweet old time getting to my house. And then this woman with her little blood issue stops him from coming. And we have to stop and listen to her and talk to her. Like, Lady, nobody cares about your blood. My daughter is dying. When you're waiting for a miracle, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. There are some people in here today, you're watching the circumstances and it's not going fast enough. He's stopping at everybody else's house. And you're like, Jesus, forget about them. I'm desperate over here. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Hear me. Hear me. Let this word go deep, 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 deep into your spirit. If you are desperate believing God for a miracle today, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit praying. Don't quit standing. Don't quit worshiping. Don't quit serving. Don't quit giving. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't put your Bible away. Don't put the Bible away. Keep reading it. Don't quit your praying. You might be the only one who's praying. And if you stop, then what? keep praying. Keep standing. Keep believing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. My marriage is getting worse. My bank account's getting worse. My job is getting worse. My kids are running from God as fast as they can run. Stand. 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 Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. They might be locked up, but don't quit praying. Don't keep standing. Don't quit don't stop believing it doesn't matter what the report of the doctor says it may get worse before it gets better don't stop don't stop don't stop because the Lord won't come to your house if you don't want him to we lose hope and we lose our want for him to come And if you throw in the towel, even when you're desperate, he doesn't come if you don't need him to. It might get worse before it gets better. Don't forget this. Jesus has never and will never be in a hurry. See, when you're desperate, hurry, hurry, hurry. My wife and I have this code word when she gets hangry. She has a way that she looks at me and she says, I'm going to need to eat. You can look down at your watch right there and boop, tick, 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 tick. you got 15 minutes before you better do something about it. But guess what? Jesus doesn't go by stopwatch. You hear what I'm about to say? He doesn't play by time because he holds time in his hand. Time. <laughs> Time is not what your wristwatch says. Time is when Jesus says it's time. So people may be coming to you saying it's too late. But when Jesus says, it ain't too late. It don't matter what the facts are. It don't matter what the report is. It don't matter what you feel. If he says, I ain't done yet, guess what? He ain't done. If he said he's going to do a thing, he will do it. Let God be true and every man a liar. He's not a man nor the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it. The revealer of your character is can you celebrate when the woman with the issue of blood gets healed even though you're getting bad news about the thing that you're desperate for? See, I need, now I'm talking to some church folk. The unchurch folk, they're fine. The church folk are the ones that says, I've been standing, I've been giving, I've been praying. I've been doing this for 35 years, little preacher, man. I've been believing God longer than you've been alive, and you got the nerve to stand up there and tell me to keep going. I've watched everybody else's marriage get saved and get healed, but my husband is, still has the disposition of a hungry rhinoceros and I have been praying for him and praying for him I got these kids that are acting a fool tearing a strip a mile wide through Oklahoma City they're doing in the spirit what tornadoes did to Moore a few years ago I got these kids are insane preacher man and you're trying to tell me that I need to keep going and I need to celebrate let me tell you something it's not about it's not about did you get helped it's about who do you need to help you because your celebration makes room for the one who does the work to be in your life god resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble sometimes i wonder if god don't take his time because he's trying to teach us humble patience because the thing that you're desperate for might need a miracle but guess what the real miracles happen in here when i learn to trust him David wrote, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We all like to read Psalms, but we don't want to suffer like the one who wrote the Psalms. And I need to talk to some mature sons and daughters, church folk, that the real miracles God are working is in here. And he takes his time to teach us humble patience. Now, mourners, Jesus walks into that house. Now, we know the culture back then was you paid people to mourn. So the bigger a deal we made when somebody died, the bigger a deal they were. (laughs) And so we're still doing it today. We're artificially propping up people's character when they die. Save that for another day. But when Jesus ran out those mourners, I believe some were probably paid, but I believe there were also some family in there. Because if if you had a family member that's on death's door, you're going to be there. So there's some aunties in there. There's some uncles in there. There's some cousins in there. There's some, all the people are there. And Jesus walks in and they're, oh, God. Oh, it's too late. Lip quiver. And Jesus said, why y'all carrying on like that? Bobby, Bobby Ray, he's gone. He's gone. Jesus is teaching us that environments are more important for miracles than timing. When you need to raise something from the dead, you had best be watching the sound that you're making. Hear me something. If God is gonna do a miracle in your life, and if he's gonna do a miracle in our life, he's going to run the morning out the door. You need to hear what I just... I told you when I started, this is not for the faint of heart. When mourning has to leave, it always takes somebody with it. Because some people are in love with what was. There are some people in your life, they loved who you used to be. They loved the broken you. The addicted you, the anxious you, the depressed you, they love that. But when Jesus wants to do a miracle, Jesus looks and says, you can't take that with you because I'm about to do something new. The scripture says, behold, I do a new thing. And so that's a pattern of God's. He redeems things, by he don't make it like it was. He does something totally new. But if God is a God who does new things... If you're holding on to old, you will find yourself in conflict with God. You say, well, I don't want him to run me off. I don't want him to either. So here's what you have to do, and here's what I have to do. Let him search your heart. Put your heart on the altar and say, Lord, show me where I'm in love with something that's dead. If you want your marriage to make it, you're going to have to quit going to people that knew you when you were busted. You want to turn over a new leaf, you're going to have to quit going to people that they knew you when you were strung out. That means sometimes you can't ask mama her opinion. I love, listen, I told you. For the, not for the faint of heart. I come, I'm loving you enough that I'm going to risk you being mad at me. Your daddy might be your daddy, but he ain't God. Sometimes you can't ask your children what they think. Because they can't see what you're believing for. There are some of us in business... If you want something miraculous, quit going to men looking for wisdom. Go to your prayer closet and get the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because He's the one who gives divine strategies and instructions that miraculous things will happen. Either we are people of the Spirit or we're not. And if we are people of the Spirit, We must draw and be sustained by the truth, the wisdom, and the voice of the Spirit above all other voices. That means it doesn't matter if conservative news tells you that the nation is going to hell in a handbasket. You can believe the report of men or you can believe the report of the Lord and say, it might be going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray. And instead of declaring death, I'm going to declare life because I'm not trying to restore what was. I'm saying, God, pour out a new move. Uh, pour up, pour, raise up a new generation. Pour out a fresh anointing. Pour out fresh signs and wonders. Stir up a new generation of spirit-filled preachers that's got fire on their lips. Stir up something new, God. You got to run off the morning. Run it out of yourself. And if God has to remove some people from your life, let him do it. Because you can die with what's familiar, or you can live in something new. Third thing I want to tell you about is environment. I did a word study on environment last night. It was late. You're probably asleep. I just, honestly, I want you to appreciate that. I stayed up last night studying a word, an old Saxon word. It was kind of boring, but I did it because I love you. She just remember that. If you ever hear anything bad about me, you can just say, hey, but he stays up late and studies old words. The definition of environment, if you look it up, the circumstances, the objects, or the conditions by which one is Surrounded. That little girl was dead. We know that. She was dead. Physically, medically, scientifically, she was dead. And she had an environment of mourning around her. There was an environment around her that mirrored her condition. But guess what? I I was actually really surprised by this. The root word of environment is not an adjective or a noun. It's actually a verb. Oh, I'm about to run all by myself. The word is this, vivor. V i v e r. Now I may not be pronouncing that right, pronouncing that right, because I'm from the holler. Go look it up for yourself. Viver, and here's that root word, and it means this: to turn. Hmm. So, okay. So, hang on. The environment around a thing is what's surrounding it. The root word of environment means to turn. So here's the implied meaning of the word environment. Is that an environment that surrounds something can change the thing that it's surrounding. You can turn it around when you change the environment. Nah, I'm about to get Pentecostal if y'all don't help me a little bit right here. Because I will do it all by myself. And so when Jesus walks into that room, he knows this. I've got to change the environment if I'm going to turn the thing that is dead. Because guess what? That word viver, that's the root word of environment, is also the root word in the word revive. Ah, and so guess what when I want to see a miracle I don't have to live forever in desperation I can turn my faith switch on and I can say I'm going to change the environment to look like how I want this situation to look and so the facts may say that it's dead but my heart of faith says this if I build an environment where the master can come and work then it don't matter if she's turned blue and rigor mortis has kicked in he can look at her and speak a word and she (gasps) come back to life there's some folk you need to go home and take charge over the environment of your house and you need to turn off the drama and the discord and the strife and you need to start setting an environment of peace Oh, you need to start setting an environment of love and you watch God breathe on that marriage and make it come back to life. There's some people that leg may be sick and you need to quit saying, oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. You need to get some faith going and start speaking to that thing and say, by Jesus stripes, I am healed. And you start watching that environment change. I don't care what is dead in your life. When Jesus comes down and tells it to live, it will live, it will live. live. It will live. It will live. So I've said the things that I've said today to say this Go home. You are not a victim. Oh, you are not a victim. Just because you may have been wounded unjustly doesn't mean that you have to be a victim to that wound the rest of your life. You have the ability to set an environment that is conducive for the miraculous. The feeling you feel in between now and then may be a feeling of desperation. But you are a son You are a daughter. You have been made a king through Christ Jesus, and you have been made the high priest of your life through Jesus. Take charge of your environment. Take charge over the words of your mouth. Take charge over the show you watch, the music that you're listening to the podcast that you're listening to, the news media that you are consuming, you take charge over your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, or whatever they call it now. You take charge over TikTok. If it's not in line with the miracle that you need, run it out of your life. I got to tell you the whole story. The scripture says that when he ran off the mourners, they ridiculed him. It may get worse before it gets better. And when you go to take charge of an environment, people that you love may ridicule you. I'm going to tell you the whole story. They may not understand. They may look at you and say, you, you, you look like all the time six months ago you'd been waterboarded with lemon juice. And now you're dancing around with the joy of the Lord. You're such a fraud. You're just a faker. You're another one of them Pentecostal people. You get on a high one minute and low the next. I don't know why you keep going up there. Them ain't your kind of people up there. You're wasting your time. will not you come over here and be with us? Why are you giving your money to that? You ought to be putting it in a 401k or a Roth IRA. You might be doing that. That would be a better use of your money. Right now is the time to buy. They may not understand when you look and say, I can't go to the family dinner this week because I can't allow myself to get in, a, in an environment that's not conducive for the thing that I'm believing for. I need you to partner with me. I'm going to give you my word that when I go home today, I'm taking charge of the environment of the Roberts house. Mm. I give you my word, I will do it. You go home and take charge of yours and then meet me here next week. Bring your desperation, bring your frustration but bring your faith that says simply this, Jesus makes dead things to live again. Jesus makes dead things live again. Jesus makes dead things live again. Jesus Jesus makes dead things live again. And when I get him in the room, nothing can stay the same. I won't go to my grave having left something on the table that I could have gone further I could have built a better environment. I could have believed for more. When I feel that disappointment and discouragement trying to creep up on me, I start saying to myself, God makes dead things live again. If he can speak to a dead body and make a spirit jump back into that body and come back to life, what can he do? children can grow old in the house of God our barns can be filled with plenty our community can be healed and we can live our lives in peace when Jesus is in the room with us help me help me do it with me give you my word that Holly and I will do it with you I'll give you a practical example the first thing I'm doing when I go home today before I take my traditional Sunday afternoon nap that I know you take too I'm going into my closet and every piece of clothing that's from an old season I'm giving it away I got some nice clothes. So if you hit this Goodwill over here on the expressway, if you're about my size, you're going to hit the jackpot tomorrow morning. But I'm giving it away. I don't care if I paid $1,000 for a pair of cowboy boots, I'm giving them away. I don't care if Bishop bought me that suit, I'm giving it away. Because I want what God has for my life. I'm not going into a new season wearing old clothes. I ain't going on a shopping spree either. You liable to see me in this t-shirt right here for the next three weeks. I can't hardly go to a Target or a shopping mall. I can't do it. I just, it stirs up bad feelings in me. I get overwhelmed with all the people. So if my wife don't buy it for me, I probably don't wear it. So you may see me in this shirt right here for three weeks. I don't know. If you get tired of looking at the same shirt, y'all call Holly and say, hey, you need to go buy Jordan some clothes. I'm doing that as a practical sign. I'm going to change the atmosphere of my life. I may throw some old books away, throwing old pictures away. I ain't living in an old day because I'm believing that God is going to make a miracle happen in my house. Does that feel okay? If you want Him to work a miracle in your life, raise your hands and bow your head. Pray this after me Lord Jesus, I'm desperate for you. I need you. If you don't do it, it ain't going to happen. Teach me. Lead me. How to make an environment for you, for your presence, for your word, and for your power. Teach me, Lord, and I will be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.